Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A planned Otay Ranch development is struck down in court. And the judge said, you know, there's really no oversight of the carbon offset program. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. The public submits ideas for military bases named after Confederates. There's some of us who would like to see new names, and if you use the same name, even in, with a different human in a different context of time, uh, then you almost undo what, what they thought the intention of the law is. So I took that to heart. And we'll hear about this year's San Diego Art Prize winners and more on our weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. A huge housing development planned for Otay Ranch has been struck down in court. A San Diego judge agreed with environmental groups and California's attorney general in a lawsuit against the Adara at Otay Ranch project. Judge Richard Whitney said the planned community east of Chula Vista posed a high wildfire risk and would cause environmental damage, including increased greenhouse gas emissions. The former County Board of Supervisors approved the development in 2019. Joining me is San Diego Union-Tribune reporter Joshua Emerson-Smith. And Joshua, welcome. Yeah, good to be here. What was the Andara at Otay Ranch development supposed to include? Oh, it included everything from over a thousand upscale homes to a new fire station, an elementary school, commercial storefronts. It was going to be a a pretty big master plan community east of Chula Vista. So the judge apparently had more than one reason to rule against the project. But was wildfire risk his biggest reason? You know, wildfire risk is 
one of the biggest issues that's come to the forefront on these types of projects. We have to remember that this is one of half a dozen of these projects that were challenged by the Sierra Club over the last couple of years. And so, yes, the judge definitely focused on that. And what were the other reasons that he ruled against the project? Well, one of the other big things was that these projects like Newland Sierra and Baliano and this Adorado Tai Ranch were going to mitigate their uh, tailpipe emissions. So all the new driving that would happen as people left their homes to commute to jobs, wherever they may be, they were going to mitigate the greenhouse gases from those tailpipe emissions with carbon offsets. And that's been a really controversial topic. And the judge said, you know, there's really no oversight of the type of carbon offset program that the county and the developer was proposing for this project and others. So the carbon offset plan is also one of the reasons that the county's climate action plan has been been dismissed by the courts, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, the county is redrafting its climate plan after an appellate court threw out the blueprint uh, back uh, in 2019, I believe, um, stating just that, that this carbon offset program really just didn't have any kind of oversight. No one was going to be able to say whether or not these carbon offsets were following through on the promises to reduce greenhouse gases, other than some bureaucrat at the Development Services Department. So there was really no kind of public oversight of what they were proposing, and the courts agreed with the environmental groups on that. So carbon offsets, the judge says, is one reason. But the wildfire risk is also another, as you were saying. Now, when the Board of Supervisors was discussing this project back in 2019, wasn't the fire chief in support of the Adara at Otay Ranch project? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chief Meacham uh, was in support of this. Um, it's We should say that you know they were also going to build a fire station there, and they felt that that was enough to mitigate the concerns. Uh, Cal Fire in San Diego has been in support of a lot of these projects that have been proposed for these high fire areas. Uh, the environmental groups have said that that really doesn't make any sense because not only are you putting people in harm's way, but the more people you put in the backcountry, the more people there are to start fires back there. And so there's been a pretty stark divide on what is the level of safety of building these new homes. Now, this coalition of environmental groups, as you mentioned, are racking up quite a list of victories against backcountry developments. But how in this case did California's attorney general get involved? Well, the California Attorney General got involved because they've been seeing these kind of projects across the state. This has been a, a hot button topic when we've seen so much destruction from wildfires. Should we be building in these areas that routinely burn? And so the AG's office got involved and said, hey, these are the types of projects we really don't need to be seeing going forward if we want to protect people from large blazes. Will the developer appeal this ruling, do you think? I mean, that really is the major question now. We don't know, especially since there's been such a shakeup at the Board of Supervisors. Uh, when this was first approved, the folks that were serving on, the pa- on that panel were much more in support of these types of projects. I think the current board takes a more skeptical view of this. 
like we said, they've chosen to redo the climate plan. And so it's unclear whether the developer feels like it has the full support it would need to really go back and appeal this. Well, that brings me to this question. You know, San Diego is still in a housing crisis. We don't have enough homes, uh, affordable or otherwise. So are rural developments like these unlikely to move forward? I mean, that's what we're seeing, right? We're having a hard time building in the urban environment because people don't want to see their neighborhoods change. And we're having a hard time building in the rural environment because we're losing so many houses to wildfire. So yeah, we're in a tough spot for sure. I've been speaking with San Diego Union Tribune reporter Joshua Emerson-Smith. Joshua, thank you. Always a pleasure. The Federal Commission charged with replacing Confederate names on military bases is getting thousands of suggestions. But as Jay Price reports for the American Homefront Project, that's just one step in a process that will likely take years. The commission began taking suggestions from the public last month on its website and has been visiting base communities as part of its charge to take into account local preferences. The commission's chairwoman is retired Admiral Michelle Howard. We have heard directly from local chambers of commerce, historical, genealogy societies, rotary clubs, school board officials, local and national special interest groups, church leaders, business, and many other organizations. She was speaking during an online news conference after the commission submitted a progress report to Congress. Its final recommendations are due in a year. Howard said the commission will stop accepting suggestions December 1st and begin narrowing the list. Names starting to emerge fall into several categories, those of people like heroes or key leaders associated with a base, inspiring words like victory, some aspect of local geography, or something that describes the base's military role. Fort Bragg in North Carolina, for example, is gathering suggestions and running a Facebook poll on some, including Fort Liberty, Fort Sand Hills, Airborne and Special Operations Base, and some locals have suggested the military could save money by simply saying Fort Bragg is now named for Union General Edward Bragg of Wisconsin instead of his cousin, Confederate General Braxton Bragg. Howard said the commission will consider all suggestions, but a similar idea came up during a community meeting at Fort Gordon in Georgia. Georgia and wasn't universally popular. I will tell you there were other members of the community who then stood up and said, there's some of us who would like to see new names. And if you use the same name, even in, with a different human in a different context of time, uh, then you almost undo what, what they thought the intention of the law is. So I took that to heart hearing a member of the community say that. The idea also doesn't impress Dan McNeil, a retired four-star general who held a host of roles at Fort Bragg. He was a union guy. Is that all you got? What's the connection to Fort Bragg? McNeil helps lead a citizens committee assembled by base leaders to act as liaison to the community on the renaming. I think we can do better than that. I think we need to work a little harder. We need to think. During a virtual town hall last month for Fort Bragg, local residents offered several ideas. Vicki Andrews was one of two people to lobby for Dr. Mary Walker, the only woman to win the Medal of Honor. She worked for the Union Army, but she also cared for Confederate soldiers. And so in all the things that you have to consider, it's 2021. We need to make sure we at least consider this powerful woman. 
That town hall drew several angry text comments against renaming the base at all. Things have been tamer in some base towns, though. William Cooper is mayor of the city of Enterprise, Alabama, one of several municipalities that encircle Fort Rucker. From what I have observed, really and truly, there has not been much talk about it. He said locals want input and have offered several ideas, but the important things are that the base's military role and its overwhelming local economic impact aren't changing. We will just continue to support the base, whatever the name is, because his mission, you know, is to train aviators. So really and truly, that won't have no effect on that. So whatever name, it's, it's all right with us. And whatever that new name turns out to be, it and the others have to be in place by 2024. This is Jay Price reporting from Fort Bragg, North Carolina. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can, all right? Thanks. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. The big news in the art world this weekend is the celebration for winners of the San Diego Art Prize. And there's more, from the symphony's take on Gabriel Garcia Marquez, to a mural walk, to an Old Globe-commissioned new play. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. And welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the 2021 San Diego Art Prize and the exhibition of the four prize recipients. So who are the prize winners? Yeah, the artists selected for the art prize this year, it's Perry Vasquez, Belize Iriste, Panca, and Hugo Crossthwaite. They're all in some way connected to the border. In fact, most spend time living or working on both sides of the border in Tijuana or Ensenada. And Belize Iriste, who I spoke with this week, is inspired by by being divided between three homes, in fact, including her native Turkey. So for me, the idea of home uh, has become much more theoretical over the years and more grounded and rooted in the idea of people, language, values, and traditions, things that are movable in ways that a house and a physical land is not. So you can see in my work that I examine this uh, relocation and movements. And one of the things I love about all of these artists is the layers. From each, you can get a really deep meaning of the work just from first glance. Like one of Perry Vasquez's is, is this fantastic oil painting of one of those cell towers that looks like a palm tree, or, or Hugo Crossway's intricate drawings of Tijuana. 
But a closer look or seeing all of these works by all of the artists together brings out even more meaning. And these works will be on view at Bread and Salt opening tomorrow with a reception from five to eight. And then the band, The Color 49, who Hugo Crosswaite collaborated with earlier this summer on, on a stop motion music video, they will perform at Bread and Salt at eight o'clock. The San Diego Art Prize exhibition opens at Bread and Salt tomorrow and will be on view through the end of the year. So the symphony is doing a performance of three pieces at the Shell. One is Maurice Ravel's Concerto in G with Enon Barnaton on piano. He is the director of the La Jolla Music Society's Summerfest series. And this Ravel piece has a lot of movement to it. That's what I love about Ravel. And it also shows a lot of his jazz influences, too. It's lively while still being pretty emotive. They're also performing Mahler's Symphony No. 1, as well as a work by contemporary Venezuelan-American composer, Reynaldo Moya. And this is where Gabriel Garcia Marquez comes in. This piece is called Siempre Lunes, Siempre Marzo, which translates to Always Monday, Always March. And in 100 Years of Solitude, the mystic Melchiada's room is where time gets stuck. It's always Monday, and it's always March, and, and this work by Moya, is a, it's about that strangeness of time and about the character, the mystic Melchiada's. That's Reynaldo Moya's Siempre Luna, Siempre Marzo, which the symphony will perform tonight at 7.30 at the Shell. In the theater world, The Old Globe opens a brand new premiere this week. Tell us about Shutter Sisters. Yeah, this is a play by Mansa Ra, and it was part of The Globe's Powers New Voices Festival in January 2020. So it was back when the 2020 we got was almost entirely unimaginable. And the New Voices Festival is always sort of a factory for, for brand new plays. And The Globe develops these and workshops them, culminating in a reading. So this will be the first time that Shutter Sisters is getting a full theatrical production. And the plot's surrealist. It follows two women with parallel lives. They have basically the same name. It's a variation of Michael. And they're very different. One is a white woman and the other is black. And for one, her mother has just passed away. And for the other, she has just kicked out her adult daughter. So both are dealing with a sort of grief. And of course, the plot digs into their differences, but it really gets to the common ground between the two women. The play is directed by Donya Washington, and it runs through November 7th. And this is an indoor production at the Globe, so proof of vaccination or a negative PCR test within 72 hours is required, and masks are also required indoors. That's Shutter Sisters opening tonight at the Old Globe. Now, for those of us who aren't quite ready to sit in an audience, there's still a way for us to watch a type of art performance, mural painting. Tell us about Ladies Who Paint. This is a project that's been going on since about 2018, and each year they gather 10 women in a sort of summer camp, like a mural camp. And this year it's all local women, actually, and they'll take over a, a walkable route downtown. It, it spans from East Village into Bankers Hill, and they're painting 11 new murals on the side of businesses in, in these pretty high-traffic areas. Some of them haven't started painting yet, but many will be in progress or completed this weekend. There's four of them at Hotel Z near 7th and Island. There's one at Bear Republic CrossFit near 9th and G. And then 
uh, one at Fifth and Spruce near the 7-Eleven. And all of these murals will be complete by October 18th. And you can follow along with the LWP 2021 hashtag or at ladieswhopaint.org. And we have a list of the current locations on our website. Finally, Carlsbad Music Festival is hosting one of their single-day outdoor concerts tomorrow. It's called Eclectic Lawn. Yeah, it's like a mini festival. There's four performers and just one stage, the St. Michael's by the Sea Lawn in Carlsbad. And there's four acts. Kamini Natarajan, who performs traditional Indian folk and classical songs. Uh, The Ed Kornhauser Quartet doing instrumental jazz. There's Americana singer and songwriter Francis Bloom. And then L.A.-based Shannon Lay, who has a new full-length album out today. And I love how she has the sparseness of folk music, but it's also really polished and, and, and modern sounding. And here's the track Geist from Shannon Lay's new album. Geist and Shannon Lay is one of the performers at Eclectic Lawn, which takes place in Carlsbad tomorrow from 2 to 6 p.m. You can find details on these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts or by signing up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Oh, it's you.